0: From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat.
1: Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now, it's a brand new week. Here we are. Another episode of After 9. Thank you for downloading. We appreciate it. Did you have a good weekend?
0: I did have a good weekend. It was really relaxing. I just did some shopping and stuff around the house. It was pretty low-key, honestly. What about you?
1: Yeah, the snowman saga continues on my street. (laughs) I admit it, I'm weak. I suck. I caved. Yeah, you got a snowman. How but big is your
0: snowman? You said it's like six feet? Yeah. Is that right?
1: No, the new one's about eight and a half feet.
0: Ah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yay. <laughs> I even texted the old owner of the house and I'm like, everybody keeps asking me, did you leave the snowman? And he said, no, I brought the snowman. So I thought, damn it, I'm going to have to go out and spend money on another snowman.
0: Are they expensive? The big ones? Yeah,
1: it was over a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not they're not cheap, cheap for yeah. a big one, but it lights up and yeah. I, I guess now I'm, I'm I'm kosher with the neighbors, I suppose. But it wasn't money that I really wanted to spend. Uh, lots to do in this episode of After Nine, Cat, and we'll start off with this. We now live in a world where Donald Trump is back on Twitter.
0: That's right. Not just Donald, Kanye as well. Kathy Griffin, fine. I don't think anybody really cared that much either way.
1: But that one's important, though, because it it shows balance. That was someone who impersonated Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. She flat out broke the rules, so she got suspended, and then Elon let her back on. Now, with Kanye, he said some pretty shitty stuff that a lot of people didn't like, so he got silenced. I think what Elon's goal here is to let people— within reason, without breaking the law, without spreading hate speech per se, have their opinion and not cancel them based on it, Mm -hmm. but give people the ability to easily mute them or opt out if they don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Does that seem reasonable or should he still be silencing people is a question that a lot of the pundits are trying to answer on TV shows across the nation.
0: I think one of the best parts about this is that you can choose. Yes. Do I want to stay Based on that, there have been people that left that said their goodbyes, that tweeted out their last goodbyes once they found out Kanye, for example, was back on or maybe one of the other ones. There's some other figures that people dislike um, out there that he also reinstated. Uh, and and sometimes you might see that and go, wow, I don't want to be on a platform that hosts the, the thoughts of this person or the satire or whatever it might be. So I'm out. Those are all choices that we can make. Elon does run Twitter now. Elon can make those choices. Will it hurt him? I'm so curious to see if it will have an impact. Now, that said, he did have a poll specifically for Donald Trump. Does he reinstate Donald Trump? And he put the poll out to his users, and a lot of people shared it, of course, to the point where there was tens of millions. Do we know the final number? There was tens of millions of votes on this. It's
1: still going up. It's still happening? Well, he's still getting followers out of it. Uh, There's some speculation that Elon was actually brilliant when he did the poll because they called it a bot trap. Bots are drawn to those very viral tweets, especially if it says Trump in it. So the bots are programmed to to say shitty things about Trump or to say great things about Trump. But they all get drawn to something like that. And Mm -hmm. Elon could then look at all the new followers he got, all the people that voted in that poll and say, bot, 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 get out.
0: Here's the part I don't understand, though. I mean, he he has taken over now. Bots were so important to him. Does he not have those answers still? I don't Does think so. Does he not know what a bot is and, and differentiate it from a non-bot?
1: The bots, as far as I know, use some some sort of AI-type technology where they can make it seem like a relatively coherent comment okay. on just about anything. Okay. It's just they're skewed to portray a certain narrative. Right. Well, in this case, um, if they're all drawn to that, Elon can see, all right, these look like bots. We can probably either look into them further or just mm-hmm. plain suspend them. And if it's a real person, they'll object and say, hey, shit, you canceled <laughs> my account. Put it back on. And, and I think that that's probably the best way to start weeding them out until the bot technology gets better. There's bots on everything right now. It's on Facebook, Instagram, just about everywhere. But aside from the bot, I mean, it was a fair question. Should Trump be allowed back on? When they suspended Trump, I tried to make the case, and it was fairly unsuccessful, but maybe some people bought into this, that it's not a smart idea to silence your critics. It's not a smart idea to silence the people you disagree with because they're still going to disagree. They're still going to be a critic. It's just you won't know what they're saying. And sometimes I think it's better to hear the other side out than to just block them all together. That's just me. I like to hear opposing opinions and, and so on and so forth. And I don't mind some of these people that I don't agree with being on these platforms. But there's others who think, if I don't like them, they mm-hmm. should be shut down, right. get them off. Yeah. And that's where cancel culture comes from. Sure,
0: But we do all have those choices, like I said, to, to stay or, or go. And maybe you're not even, maybe you weren't even on it to begin with. So hopefully for you, that means this whole thing means nothing, you know, if you're not on it. But if you are on it and you don't like the thought of that, then get off of it. Just like a lot of people left Facebook because they were unhappy with certain things. You can all make the choice, which is the, gr- the best part, in my opinion.
1: Trump would be stupid to not jump on Twitter. Trump would be dumb to not take advantage of the massive reach that he has on Twitter and to only continue with his own platform, Truth Social, which I'm sure is fine, but it cost him a lot of money to develop it and it's really not (laughs) going anywhere. It's not going to be mainstream.
0: I always wonder if he's frustrated with being reinstated on Twitter because he did start up this other platform. How hard he worked on it, I don't know. I've never seen it in my life. I, I just know what it's called. That's it. Like That's all I know. How many users are on it? No idea. Do I care to join it? No, not at all. However, I wonder if part of him is a little frustrated with this whole thing, knowing, oh, come on, man. I just started this whole platform and I launched it. Now you're letting me back on here. So it's probably one of those things with the ego the size that he has it. I'm thinking he's wrestling with those, those questions of, Do I go here because there is people on Twitter or do I continue on Truth Social because this is what I, I I mean, I made a big deal of this and I launched this and I know all those people like me. It's probably tough for him to figure out if he should just bite, you know, bite the bullet and say, fuck it, I'll go back on Twitter. Uh, Only time will tell. I wouldn't be shocked if he did, though. Kanye tweeted right away a shalom and a smiley face was one of his first tweets back.
1: Yeah, well, come on. So he's trolling already. You no, know,
0: come on. I, uh But whatever. see, that's fine. He has his platform. He has and his if platform. You, if you don't you want block to be part it. of it, block him. You can block it, you can mute it, or you can leave yourself. Again, there are choices.
1: Who do you think came out on the positive end or the good end of the negotiations between the education union and the uh, province this weekend?
0: I have no idea. Like, okay, first of all, nothing really changed from the offer that was initially given up until le- yesterday at 5 and not even five o'clock after five o'clock when we finally heard the official word from Leche that there was going to be school. I'm confused. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who really who really wins here, but I know that at least the kids are in school. And so that makes me happy for now. For now, by the way, because we know that this could this could change. Yeah, I, I again. think.
1: And it probably will. Hey, listen, once we get done this, that means the members accept the the offer. Then we got to go through all the different teachers unions and there's the OSSTF, there's OECDA, there's the, the list goes on and right, on and on. Right. There's a more unions that need to negotiate and, and no doubt they've been sitting back watching to see what happens with CUPE. CUPE decided to go first in this negotiation and the way it's turned out, I just can't think of anything more frustrating. Parents have been left on the lurch right up to the 11th hour. Mm-hmm. We knew by 5 o'clock, or we would know by 5 o'clock <laughs> it's Sunday like if there's going to be a strike.
0: It was more like 5.30 or yeah. so.
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> the deadline came and went. We didn't hear anything. It was half an hour later that the education minister came out and said a deal had been in, and had been reached. And in, in this case, it's the exact same deal that was offered a week ago. Mm-hmm. So why did all those parents have to wait until 5.30 on a Sunday? to figure out if their kids had school the next Mm -hmm. day. It's ridiculous. And from the union standpoint, I mean, hey, good. You tried. You tried to get more. You didn't need to drag this out until five o'clock on a Sunday. You're just putting the exact same offer to your membership. You could have done that last week. You could have said, hey, listen, we still want service improvements or whatever they called them, but we got the money that we're happy with. Vote on this. If you don't like it, we'll go back and negotiate. If you do like it, then we have a deal. There was no reason to drag this out till Sunday. And now it's almost like the union is kind of imploding a little bit. And I'll tell you why I say that. One of the reasons apparently that the union decided to take the offer yesterday and put it to the members is because they were getting a lot of pressure from internally, from union reps in various different regions that were saying things like, our members are good, they want to vote, they do not want to strike, put it to a vote. So now the union's got a little dissension in the ranks where the membership is saying, stop trying to stick handle this thing, let us vote on what's there. If they approve it, kind of looks silly on the union, doesn't it? For leaving it right till the last minute. Mm -hmm. If they don't approve it, well, I guess it's vindication for the union leaders, but then parents are stuck again. I'm wondering if this is going to be the catalyst for the province to come out and say, you know what? We're declaring education essential. Kids have a right to be in school. We have an obligation to provide schooling for them. And if you would like to work in the public sector as an educator, then you're buying in to this being an essential service. Kind of like police officers, firefighters, and so on and so forth. There's some professions that just can't strike because we can't have an interruption in services. The way the government's been framing this for months now about kids must be in school, I have to think that's the way it's going. But do they do it before the teachers negotiate? Or do they wait until after all the contracts are settled? It's interesting to see how it's going to play out, Kat. Either way, uh, the amount of people that had to go to school on Thursday or Friday just to collect tech that they now don't Mm -hmm. need, the amount of time that got wasted sending Chromebooks home with kids so that there could be remote learning and it didn't matter in the long run anyway. I mean, it's so frustrating all around the Mm -hmm. time and effort that got wasted on this when they could have been negotiating all along and brought a good offer to their members to vote on. Do you think they're going to accept it, or do you think we're going to be back in the same spot? Like, it'll be Friday. It's so funny. I'm
0: I'm hearing so many mixed things when it comes to that. Like the even the leader of QP, her name escapes me. Laura Walton. Thank you. Laura was speaking on this last night, and some of this, some of although she seemed like, yeah, you know, we are we're accepting it. We'll see. I'll take it to my members. There was some wordage that was used there that didn't make me feel confident. Um, and, and other people speaking out, but it's hard to say, cause sometimes a couple of people speak out on it and they don't represent the majority. So I'm not sure. I hope for the best. I would like to, I mean, I'm, I'm down for declaring this an essential service. I think it is. I think there's also been enough disruption in the school system. And I think if kids are supposed to be the most important in this whole thing, then stop disrupting their, their day to day.
1: It's funny. Cause the union members deny that they say, nah, we have four year contracts. Your kids aren't always out. No, every year, it's something. Every year, somebody ends up getting stuck in some sort of a job action. It was happening nonstop right until COVID hit. And then boom, everything had to transition to online learning for a little while. And then a deal got done that summer. But it's frustrating the amount of time that kids spend out of class because of labor disruptions. I really hope that they can find a more foolproof way to do this so that classes don't get interrupted for kids and parents aren't left scrambling. Uh, Coming up, I'm going to, we're going to talk about this mom that solicited so many text messages on our radio shows Mm -hmm. today. That's on the way. First off, a couple more things. Uh, The Freedom Inquiry is going into its final week. This week, we're going to hear from a lot of the big players. Justin Trudeau is going to testify this week. We're also going to hear from the director of CSIS, David Vignon. We're going to hear from the Emergency Preparedness Minister, Bill Blair, mm. Public Safety Minister, Marco Mendicino, not to mention the Justice, Defense, and Transportation Ministers, all <laughs> going to take the stand.
0: You're excited about this, eh? Is This this is a big week.
1: I am. I, I'm disappointed, though. Doug Ford should absolutely be one of those people that's taken the stand this week, and I still say it's wrong that Doug is invoking parliamentary privilege to not go on the stand. This happened in Ontario. He was the leader. He declared an emergency himself to clear the blockade on the bridge, but did not get involved in Ottawa. He says the police were handling it. Well, that wasn't necessarily the case in Windsor. So there's some inconsistencies there. There's a lot of questions that the inquiry wants to ask Doug. They've tried to make it easy on him, but he's still ducking them, and, and I think that's wrong. But when it comes to the testimony this week, there's a lot that needs to be answered for. I know that there's a lot of people who are, are uh, fans of the prime minister and they don't want to see him out of office. They just, for whatever reason, they like Justin and he's their guy. And if you're that person, good on you. Good for you. You've got a leader that you like. But without being blindly partisan here, I assume that most people are reasonable, objective people. No matter how you feel about the prime minister, you have to be able to look at what's happened so far and be able to say, it doesn't look like there was any evidence that we needed the Emergencies Act here. The RCMP themselves said we didn't need it. They didn't ask for it. They didn't even do their last briefing before cabinet invoked this. CSIS says there was no threat. I mean, how many different law enforcement organizations need to come out and say, yeah, it was nice to have, but we didn't need it and we didn't ask for it. It looks like this was done to save face because the prime minister was embarrassed on the world stage. The entire world was watching Canada saying, look at these truck drivers slowing down the whole national capital of a whole G7 country. And it looks like the Prime Minister didn't like that kind of talk. He didn't like the dissension. He didn't like people breaking away from the the script that we were on at the time. And he invoked it to try and get it cleared right away, figuring he'd deal with it afterwards. Well, now's when we deal with it. It's a mandatory inquiry. It's part of the act. We're here, and all the testimony so far has said there wasn't a justified reason to invoke it. So whatever comes out of this week is going to be interesting, but... It's aside from the fact that the cops have already testified. And when CSIS comes up and testifies, I think that one's tomorrow, actually, then we're probably going to learn a little bit more. But just be objective. These results are probably going to come out in February. And it's likely, based on the testimony so far, going to say that the threshold wasn't met for the inquiry. That's not a bad thing. Nothing bad's going to happen to the prime minister. He's not even going to get a fine. He won't get a ticket. He won't be docked pay. Nothing happens. Other than the declaration that it shouldn't have been done and in future governments need to be more careful when they use this legislation. I hope you can be objective about it and, and wait for the uh, I hope you can be objective about it and understand that what happened here is not a political thing. It's not a I'm a liberal so I have to side with Justin or I'm a new Democrat or a conservative or a block supporter so I have to say that it was wrong. Where does the evidence take you? Mm-hmm. The evidence is pretty simple. The evidence says no, they shouldn't have invoked it. But we'll find out later on this week when a sitting prime minister testifies in front of an inquiry. That's always fascinating and somewhat historic, too. I mean, these sort of things go into the archives and they stay there for a very long time. Uh, Well, we're talking about Ottawa. Apparently, in the 2019 federal election, 11 candidates from all parties, liberal, conservative, New Democrat, maybe even bloc or green, Received financial support from the Chinese government. That's not in dispute. Everybody seems to agree that did happen. It was widely reported that the prime minister was briefed on this last January. Yesterday, he did a news conference and said he was never briefed on it. Wait, what? Apparently, you were briefed on this last January, and now you say that no. Never briefed on this. This is a strange one, but this is one that we should also want answers to. Is China interfering in our democracy? Did they try and skew the election in a certain way so that certain people would win? We have a very thin minority government. Did that tip the scales? Why are the candidates that lost not pounding on their desk demanding to know which candidates got it? Eleven of them did from all parties. Who were they and why? It doesn't seem like we're being particularly honest here. Kyrie Irving has been, Irving has been reinstated by the uh, Brooklyn Nets cat and he's coming here on Wednesday. Do you think Kyrie is going to get booed or do you think he's going to get cheered? And what will that say about Toronto in front of a national television audience?
0: Is this going to be the first time though? Uh, He has the option to go to other games. Is that correct?
1: Uh, He was free to play last night, although I don't know if he did. They were playing Memphis last night. They play Philadelphia tomorrow. Raptors on Wednesday.
0: Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I, I think that it'll it's hard to say honestly um are. I think that a little boo- booing is going to happen that, that would be yeah I, 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 a good guess I don't <laughs> I know <guess>. I <laughs> uh him
1: I don't coming know.
0: well
1: it's strange because the team suspended him And they said it was for eight games at least or something like that, because he refused to say he had no anti-Semitic beliefs when he met with reporters at that Nets practice. They said, "Okay, that's enough. You're done. You're going to get suspended. You've got a timeout to think about it. Well, now he's back. And we heard names like LeBron James calling for him to be back. The NBA commissioner felt he should be back. I'm wondering why he had to sit those eight games and how he's going to get responded to. Uh, Whatever happens on Wednesday, I have a feeling is going to be far more dramatic than what might have happened last night and what could happen tomorrow night in Philadelphia. We're a different people here in Canada, and I have a feeling he's probably going to get booed pretty loudly. And that is going to get amplified everywhere once it goes out on uh, television. Walking Dead wrapped up last night after a long 11 season run, the Walking Dead is over. I'm gonna say because I believe that the Sopranos finale was the worst finale series finale of all time. I'm gonna put Walking Dead in the top five.
0: I hard disagree with you. Um, now I've been wa- and I've been watching The Walking Dead all the way through all the way through. Um, So and hanging on to some storylines, I'll fully admit, Okay, the show has not been the best of uh, that it's ever been over the last, I'd say, even five seasons, I think. Uh, And I know a lot of people bailed uh, when uh, Rick left or if they hung on a little bit longer, maybe they bailed, um, you know, just after that. I don't know. But for me, I I liked it and I understand why they did what they did, which is, um, I don't know, you're complaining about it today, for example, of not like tying everything up, right? Some people, that's what they want to see in a finale is like, let's close all these doors. Let's know exactly what's happening. They didn't do that. And they didn't do that for a reason. We know that there's spinoffs to come. There is a standalone Daryl uh, series that is coming soon. And there- he's in Europe? He's in Europe for this one. We How he gets there is still remains to be a question. That's that what I'm we'll wondering. Fi- well, we'll find out when the show starts. And that, again, there's questions. And they do it for a reason. So we all watch and see. Or some of us will. There's also uh, a Rick and a Maggie one. I'm not sure how many people are, like, jumping up and down at the thought of that one, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not. And I really I do like them. But I just... Not that interested in that one. Is it Maggie and Negan or Maggie and Rick? Maggie and Negan. Negan. No, okay, it's Rick, Rick and Michonne. And Michonne, exactly. Right. Uh, Rick and Michonne. That's the one for me, by the way. Rick and Michonne, I'm watching that one because I miss both of them and their characters. Uh, Andrew Lincoln, who played Rick. I mean, very first guy you, you saw the very first episode. When he left, it was it sucked for a lot of people. We knew as an audience that Rick's character was still alive for those who don't know, who are like so lost right now because you don't watch the show. The the backstory to Rick is he beloved character. Everybody loved him, kind of the backbone of the whole team, of the whole team that was alive. Uh, and then he went to uh, on a bridge to try to be a heroic move, basically, that made it seem like he probably died, but they never found his body. We as viewers knew that that wasn't the case. He did not blow up. He had still survived and there were people after him um, that won- that picked him up after the explosion. Uh, but them, as a crew, did not know what happened to him. Some just figure, okay, he was blown into pieces. That's why we can't find his body. Others thought, well, maybe it just washed down the river, Whatever, whatever the case was. But we all knew. He showed up at the end of the finale, which is exactly what I figured would happen. Because they refused to release the cast, official cast list for the final episode. They also had a very blocked, understandably, a very blocked set when they had filmed this. And we all knew that there's a Rick and Michonne spinoff. So we knew somehow something had to have happened on this finale that led us that way. We didn't really get any details on what's going to happen in this Rick and Michonne other than like we got a little teaser and that was cool. I mean, whatever, just to see Rick again, like I said, it was cool. Is he going to be able to go back and see some of his friends and family? I don't know. Daryl and him were best friends. Now, Daryl's in Europe. Is that going to tie in together at some point? Are any of them ever going to tie in? So many questions, but that's why I love the finale. The questions are still there, which means for me, the desire is still there to to watch more.
1: So for me, I think a series finale should tie up the loose ends and it should bring the uh, the story to completion. And if you want to do a spinoff, fine. You start a new series, but with the same people. That's how spinoffs work. In this case... Bringing in Rick and Michonne at the end, you just saw them a little bit. They barely said a word. It
0: was not a lot. That's right. Yeah, it was just a little bit.
1: You got no concept of what's been happening or where they're going or what they've been up to, nothing. When Daryl left to presumably go off to Europe, and again, that fascinates me because he rides a motorcycle and there's a bit of a difference between <laughs> Georgia and the I UK. Think he, he
0: met someone with a plane along the way or a helicopter. <laughs> he had to have something, something.
1: Well, in that case- I mean, he just left Judith, Rick's daughter, behind and said, I'll be back. I'll I'll find you. He left. What's her name? Carol. Carol. He left Carol. And we have no idea what's going on with Carol now. Is she just going to live in the community? Is she going to be the -hmm. the queen of America or what's
0: living in America? She'll take part in one of the spinoffs, if not all of them. I have a feeling.
1: You know, there was just so many different angles where I thought, but I still don't know what happened or why, or not even like a point me in the right direction. It was just so open-ended that I found it frustrating, I liked it. but the spinoffs, I don't know if I'm going to watch any of them. I stopped watching walking dead when Rick died. I think that's when a lot of people yep, jumped yep, off yep. and, and hearing that he was going to be back it. on last night, I was interested. And then I didn't really get the payoff I tuned in for.
0: Yeah, I, I loved, I thought it was really well done, the finale. I loved it, like, cinematically. I thought it was beautiful. The showrunner um, took part in this one, because sometimes, you know, they take turns, and there's different directors, but all of them were on board for the finale, which I thought was really cool. So I thought we got to see a lot of things that, um, as viewers and fans of the show, we wanted to see. And there's questions, yeah, for sure. But that's going to keep people holding on, I think.
1: Nice to see them flash back to some people that had been killed off in previous episodes. Yeah. The way they handled the death last night, I thought was really well done. Just didn't really dot the I's and cross the T's. That was the frustrating part for me. I want to get to a conversation that came up this morning on our, on our radio show. And it's on our Tonight Radio show as well. It is about uh, this mom. Mom here is, is pretty confident in her position. And she put this story online. She said every night around 11:30, tuck my kids in. She's got two of them, a 15-year-old boy and a 17-year-old girl. And she wants to make sure that her kids aren't up watching TikTok videos all night and tweeting and texting and that sort of stuff. So, when she says goodnight to the kids, she takes their phones. That's not where it ends. She goes through those phones. I mean like a forensic audit of the phone every day. She wants to know who they're chatting with, what they're discussing, everything. Her quote, I own those phones. I pay for those phones. I can go through them whenever I want. The question is, can you? Because I get that you pay for it. I pay for my kids' cell phones too. But I have never once thought I have a right to go through that phone. There's just a privacy thing there that I think you gotta respect.
0: Um, how old can you say the name or the age of the children again?
1: Yeah. The boy is 15. His name is Cohen and Kylie is 17. His, that's her daughter.
0: I mean, I'd like to, I I hate, I hate to be judgy in this scenario because I don't have a teenager, right? My kids are still really little. They are not even considering thinking about getting a phone at all. In fact, for the first time ever, my five-year-old mentioned, how come you have one of those? Like, when do I get one of those? I'm like, ah, okay, we'll, we'll have that conversation again in, in several years. But I... I understand taking the phone away to get sleep because it's an addiction for adults. So it's also an addiction for children and kids do need their sleep and they do have school and responsibility. I, I that part I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Hey, lights out at 10, let's say whatever, 11. Uh, so phones go here, they get charged in a different room. That's how the, the rule would work. Okay. I get that. The snooping part. And yes, it is Snoopy um, is where I, I question that. I, I would like to think that you could have a relationship with your child Knowing that they probably have sent messages, knowing that they probably have been involved in a conversation which has them bullied or them bullying someone else or any a number of things that, that worry you as a parent, any number of things. I'm going to assume most teenagers are involved in that one way or the other. And maybe they are kind of a, by, a bystander, but still guilty, whatever it might be. So I would like to think a conversation would go a long way. I would like to think, can you do you need to talk to me about anything? What's going on with you? Hey, never send nude photos. You guys realize that that will never go away, right? Let me bring up a couple of stories that have happened in the past. Let me read these news articles, you know, and and find out about how this person felt about their whatever, their nudes leaking to their school. Like it's a terrible thing. Have those conversations. But I would stop. Uh, there. I, I would trust, and I hope that nothing would make me feel like I couldn't trust my children after that. To make their own choices online. I would make it very clear that that choice could come back to haunt them for years, for years, including when they do find that uh, first job, career path, whatever it is. Don't let anything you put out there come back to haunt you. And that's really would be my number one worry. That would be my number one worry. And if they did do it, I know I'd forgive them. That's also another thing for me. Like if I went through my kid's phone, which I would never do, but let's say I found out somehow my child Email, whatever, text a nude to somebody. I would sit down with them and be like, that was a brutal mistake, but you are the one that's gonna have to live with the consequences of that. And, and here's all the, the reasons why you shouldn't have done that, you know? And again, have those conversations. I, I think that words can go a long, long way as a parent. Maybe something happened with this woman and her kids to make her feel like that is not the case. Maybe she f- has been lied to previously. She's paying for it, yeah. Well, have you ever thought of, okay, make them pay for it then? Or have they ever thought of it? I don't know, for me, I I really truly mean it. And I know I'm going to stick with it is that you got to work hard for your shit. So at a certain point, you're damn right I'm cutting you off. You could pay for your own phone shit, and then you could do your own thing with it. I get it. But I'm going to stop short regardless of snooping on my children. I really am.
1: I I agree with that part. When it comes to paying for their phone, if they have the means to pay for it, by all means, let them pay for it. But a cell phone is basically a necessity today. It's not just how they work. It's also how they communicate. And I don't know that it's fair to say, well, if you can't pay the bill, you don't have a phone, especially if you as a parent are able to help. I think that there's other ways that you could probably instead still that the value of hard work into them without taking that away. Um, so that's the only part that I, I might have an issue with there. But I, I'm reading through the text messages that have come in on this topic. And it's pretty wild here, the variation in opinion. This one says, I do take a random peek on my son's phone. He was cyberbullied over Snapchat this past summer to an extreme. Mm-hmm. Thankful he is open with us and told us about it. But after that scare, we monitor it now to make sure it isn't carrying on. Wow. I don't understand. He was cyberbullied. He came to you and told you about it. And because now you know that he was cyberbullied, even though he did exactly the right thing, spoke to you about it, now you feel like you need hmm. to spy on him. I, I don't get that one. I, I, I'd I like know. to ask some follow-ups there.
0: Yeah. Um, Steven says, I use family link for both my kids' phones. I can control when they can use them. I can also limit what apps they install, but I do not go inside the phone and see what they're messaging with their friends. Um, They know that I can ask to see it at any time though. Is that enough to just know that you have the power? Like just so you know, guys, I'm going to trust you. If you give me, because I feel like that's probably the route I would go. If you give me any indication that I can't trust you, then I can look at that phone at any time. But you give me no at all trace evidence of being a bad kid or your grades are slipping or any number of things, or you're, you're hanging with the uh, weird crowd, any of those things, then I'm good. Then I'm good. Then I trust you to come to me with that information. I feel like that I'm, I'm hopefully that's going to be the, the, the route I take. I know it doesn't always end that way, the way that you think it's going to be, uh, but God, I hope so.
1: I think that's good balance. I never once went through my kids' phones, but I did tell them if I ever have to get in there, you better let me in. Right, uh, You know, you, you, I will trust you until you give me a reason to not. And even at that, I don't know that I would have necessarily gone in. Uh, here's another text. My kids are in high school. I don't tuck them in. I don't take away their phones and I don't snoop through their phones. I did all this when they were younger, but they're at an age now that I need to trust that they're going to make good decisions. Mm, okay. Is some of this just overzealous helicoptering parents figuring that they, they need to know every aspect of their kids' lives that can't stand the thought that there's stuff going on in their kids' lives that they don't know about?
0: Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to when I was a teenager, cause obviously I can't relate to this. As a parent, but I can certainly relate to it as a kid, and I know things are different now, right? We did not. When I was growing up, it was very much more flip phones and text messages. But I'm even thinking about my Facebook profiles and and chatting MSN Messenger, ICQ. That's the world I lived in, right? As a millennial, that's that was my thing. And did I send things maybe or take part in conversations that if my parents saw, they would be like, "Come on, they'd be disappointed in me." Uh, Sure. How would I have felt, though, if they opened up my computer every day, for example, and went back into my, my messages? Not good. Nope. And I also know that we do learn. And there are things that I've done in the past that I had done that I learned from. And I thought, why did I do that? Why did I take part in that, dis- in that discussion uh, you know, about this person or whatever, where I felt like I was, d- whatever it was, doing something I should not have done. But I learned those lessons for myself. And I don't think I ever had a conversation with my parents where they had to sit me down and say, I'm snooping through all of your shit because that was their computer. You know what I mean? <laughs> that I was using. Um, so I, I, I mean, I never got went through this process. But of course, I learned my own lessons. And I think it's important to note that... As teenagers, whether it's 14, 15, 16, 17, or all the way up to when they're technically adults, they need to be learning some lessons for themselves. And sometimes it's shitty and sometimes you do things you can't, you can't turn that back again. You know, once those things are sent, they can't be unsent. Isn't that something that we need to have our kids learn for themselves? Yep. And, And
1: whether you do or don't see the message right away. Really isn't going to change the fact that there are consequences, and you kind of need to learn to to learn those. I mean, we all had to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another text, guaranteed. These are all moms. They should legally change their name to Karen. Okay, that's someone. uh, I did
0: see that. Said I did see a couple of dad messages that were very much like that too. Like I check them, I look through them. So it wasn't all females, if that's what they're getting at.
1: This person says, "I thought I'd give you an alternate perspective from most." Your messages are probably coming in from parents as a 20-something-year-old and having snooping mom. There's many reasons why this bugs me. If you don't have trust in your own kids to make proper decisions and you're continuously questioning their character, it creates a hostile environment between you and your child. If you continuously create a hostile environment with your child, your child is naturally going to rebel. Mm -hmm. They're going to hide more from you. Mm -hmm. They're not going to feel comfortable coming to you with important things, and they should feel comfortable coming to you. Mm -hmm. You should feel confident in raising your child that they will make the right decisions, whether in life or on social media. So there's someone who's basically been victimized by all of this.
0: Yeah,
1: I like that. I, uh, I feel like mom even if she wasn't paying the bill, would still have this stance. She just seems like she wants to meddle and be involved in every aspect of their kids' lives. She's using the, I pay for the phone so I can go through it as an excuse. Even if those kids came out today and said, I got a job at McDonald's. I'm going to pay my own bill. She'd still find a way to go through that phone because she's that type of person.
0: You might be right. Because there's like, it's one thing to be like, phone's away for the night because I worry about your sleep. That's not the reason why phones are going away for the night to me.
1: Okay. Well, listen to this because there's people who feel this way. 100% check the phone. The world now is scary and they need to be put on check. Wow. The world's been a scary place since all of us have been alive. There's always been danger lurking behind the corner. You can't be there to protect your kid at every single time. So maybe teach them well and hope that they do well. Mm -hmm. Last thing I'll say on this and then we got to go is a friend of mine is a police officer who has a young daughter and I happened to be there when he was talking to his young daughter about social media and one of the messages he instilled in her is a lot of people send nudes on cell phones just so you know it is a very serious crime to have yeah. a naked picture of an underage girl or boy on your phone or in your cloud mm-hmm. so if you get a nude from an underage person you better delete that right away and call them out for sending it because it's not okay. And you could be charged with many offenses related to underage sex. That's a great point. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You don't ever want of a young person on your phone ever under any circumstances. Uh, didn't get a chance to talk about Chris Brown today. And that's okay. I want to get my thoughts together on that. Anyway, I, I've evolved on that a little bit. Uh, Chris Brown, for whatever reason, didn't perform at the AMA's last night, even though he was supposed to. And then he got booed when he won an award and Kelly Rowland stood up for him.
0: Chris Brown. (laughs) Chris Brown is not here tonight, so I'm accepting this award on his behalf. Excuse me. Chill out. But I want to tell Chris thank you so much for making great R&B music. And I want to tell him thank you for being an incredible performer. I'll take this award, bring it to you. I love you. Congratulations. And congratulations to all the nominees in this category. Yeah, yeah, she did, which I thought was really... I mean, it was nice that she stood up. I'm just wondering what it's going to take... Um, People still mad at him for, for Rihanna, which, I mean, I get, what he did was not right, and he did um, serve time for that, right? I'm not sure if it was time behind bars or community service, whatever it ended up being. But He see, lost his career. And and he did a lot of other shitty things, though, by the way. It wasn't just that. I, we know that he had a lot of issues, his temper, flare-ups, he got into fights, he whatever. He went to jail for a couple little things. But... Uh, Yeah, it seems like the world just can't forgive Chris Brown. Some people just can't forgive Chris Brown, no matter what.
1: We'll uh, try and fit that in later on this week. Have yourselves an amazing Monday, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow on After 9. Bye-bye. Some big sports news, uh, the World Cup is in Qatar. (laughs) Soccer is huge across the world. Meanwhile, Americans are like, wait, Ted Lasso is based on a real sport?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the biggest story in tech-slash-billionaire news... Jeff Bezos, he said he's going to give away most of his fortune during his lifetime.
1: Yeah, come on. It's not clear whether that's a charity thing or whether he's planning to marry and divorce again. It's interesting. After more than a thousand key employees resigned, Twitter closed all of their offices. And apparently due to the mass resignations, the platform could start breaking soon. Even crypto was like, damn, that came crashing down fast. Right now, things are so bad, Twitter recommends writing your tweet on a piece of paper and just mailing it to all of your followers. The After 9 podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy